Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Talk Tuners, we are here today with a bit of a special episode. Hope everyone's doing well and hope we're having a good summer. As usual, I'm Stephanie Myers. Hey, hey, and I'm Stephanie Benio. We're both really excited because today we are joined by our longtime friend, Ken Partridge. Um, Ken! Hey, what's up, guys? Thrilled and we're raising the roof. And he's written a book that we'd really recommend if you're looking for some great summer music reading, as I literally always am. He has his book, Hell of a Hat, The Rise of 90s Sky and Swing. It's released by Penn State University Press on September 21st. Ken, welcome and congratulations. Hey, thank you so much for having me, you guys. It's, uh, yeah, Yeah. this is is, uh, super fun to catch up with you guys because, uh, you know, it's been a while since we've like all been in the same place at the same time. You guys both, you know, both both uh, were here at one point in I'm in uh, New York yeah. City, and you've uh, moved on to other places. So yeah, this is nice. It's like a little uh, reunion of sorts. It is. It is. I love it. I love it. And um, yeah, congratulations. What an accomplishment, man. I, mean, oh, I always you. knew. I always knew. When we were back in the day. I'm like, man, us all being music nerds, you were gonna write something. <laughs> I knew it was gonna happen. Uh, well, thank you. Um, thank you. It's, it's great. I can't wait to uh, read it. So. Thank all you. right. Um, all right. Let's get started, y'all. So tell me, Ken, what made you write Hell of a Cat? Can you talk a little bit about your ska fandom? Uh, yeah, um, I sort of wanted to write the book just because I felt this was a, you know, moment in um, in, a, in a pop culture that had not really been uh, discussed in, you know, book form. Yeah. You know, people think about the, the uh, 90s and there was like, you know, grunge, obviously, and, you know, gangster rap. Sure. And like those things have been, you know, written about uh, quite a bit. And like that kind of paints a picture of the uh, decade as being this sort of, you know, dark and angsty uh, time, you know, but I was a, 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 a teenager in the uh, late 90s. So like, you know, my perspective of like the decade was like, you know, ska and swing music and, you know, dudes with saxophones and like zoot suits and stuff. And it was like not at all, you know, Kurt Cobain being bummed out, although I do love Nirvana and I love all that stuff, too. But right. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to look at like that half of the uh, 90s and, you know, maybe you know, kind of look at the music, but also talk about kind of like why I think that it, it you know, got popular when it did. And as for my own Scott fandom, yeah, I, I, I had no idea what it was until uh, my last day of, of uh, middle school. This would have been like mm-hmm. August uh, 95, I guess. And yeah, yeah, we're all around the same age. I say yeah, 95. 95. Yeah. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I think it was like a, a field trip or something. So like, you know, we're all, all about to go on a bus and everyone's got their, uh, their Discman's and I probably had mm-hmm. like uh you know, Spin Doctor CD and maybe like, you know, the first couple <laughs> Green Day albums. Like I, like I sort of gotten into like, you know, like I, my, the older Green Day. So I was, 
Yeah. I was, I was punk era. Exactly. I was, you know, pretty punk rock Uh at that time, as you can tell. But um, yeah, somebody just had like a stack of all these like, like uh, ska records. It was like, you know, Voodoo Glow Skulls Uh and um, like Operation Ivy. And I was like, what is this stuff? I had no idea. Right. Um, It's like, you know, punk rock, but there's like some horns with it. And like, you know, they're wearing suits and stuff. Like what, like, what is this stuff? So uh, that whole summer, you know, before high school, I just, you know, this was like, you know, before the internet was like really a thing. So it was, it was like kind of hard to find stuff out, but I sort of mm-hmm. cobbled together like a sort of basic knowledge of what, what, you know, Scott music was. And then, yeah, by the time high school started, I was, I was pretty hardcore into it and, you know, stayed into it pretty much for the next four years. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and until now, obviously too, but it was like my, right. you know, sort of thing for, for a long time. Well, let me ask you this. Cause I mean, as we all know, growing up, music is not just music, it's fashion too. It's a lifestyle. So did you like have the whole ska get up? Did you buy a yeah, suit the Rude Boy outfit I mean, and stuff? Yeah, yeah. To, to 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 a varying degrees of success. I mean, I, I was <laughs> I was in the suburbs outside of Hartford, uh, so you just uh-huh. kind of you know, which is not like a high fashion area per se. Uh, no sure. diss on on, on on Hartford, but yeah, we would go to you know thrift stores and you know try to find mm-hmm. you know suit jackets and like skinny ties and yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like whatever kind of stuff we could find. And uh, oh, right yeah, on. sometimes it would work out. Sometimes we would just look. I'm sure we just looked like, uh, like old like businessmen or something. We had like bad like, like <laughs> suits with like, you know, really wide lapels and stuff. <laughs> and, like, but you know, pickers can't be choosers, so we were, you know. Yeah, take yeah. What you can I get. actually dated a guy in a ska band in high school. Oh, really? So, yeah, oh, wait, yeah, yeah. I want to hear about this for a second. What? Uh, what was the band Uh-oh. called? <laughs> <laughs> now you bring it up, Stephanie. Now you got to talk about it. Penile pepper smiles. Let's laugh for a minute. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that is a fantastic band name. <laughs> That's um, amazing. They were ska and punk. So um, it was it was pretty funny. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to stop there. They were they were popular, um, of course, with, with you know, with the, all the kids in school and stuff. So, yeah. But, yeah. Um, it was, it was fun. Um, it, it really, uh, dating someone in a ska band gave me the leeway to buy those black and white docks I always wanted. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, the, the wingtips. The, uh, the wingtips. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, a, that's a good looking shoe. I never had, that that. Like, I had the boot. Uh, my friend had the, like had the wingtip uh, docks and I was, I was, I was sort of coveted Ooh. those shoes. I would have stolen them from him, but they were not, not my size. So. Not your size. Yeah. I, I was going to go back to the docks. Yeah. 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 They're good all purpose. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. All right. Awesome. 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 So Ken, just thinking about your research process for the book, I know you did a lot of deep dives in addition to your fandom. What was kind of the most surprising thing that you found out while you're researching and writing the book and going through that process? I don't know. It's kind of hard to say because they were just, I mean, you know, I talked to like all these bands that, that, you know, that, um, I loved when I was like 17 or whatever. So it was like mm-hmm. all, all revelations. And it was like, not even things that to me, it's like, you know, mustard plug was like, you know, the Beatles to me or something when I was 17. So like to actually have, have like the dude on my phone, it was like, wow, it's like this band that I care. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's so cool. So yeah, there were like a lot of those. Um, I don't know the most, I don't know. Like there was part of it where I was I was I'm learning about about uh, Moon Ska Records, which was like the big um, well, like the big ska label here I'm um, here in uh, New York City that kind of um, was like I'm, a, I'm a sort of behind the whole you know third wave uh, kind of taking off. They, like they were founded back in the '80s and they really like helped a lot mm-hmm. of bands and were just kind of like instrumental in uh, making ska in America be a thing. Um, I sort of learned in in I'm um, talking to uh, some folks that you know there was like an opportunity for them to to um, sign with a major label at one point, like like around '90. Uh, a five ninety six or something, 
Um, mm. And and uh, they passed on it because it wasn't a great deal, and they you know kind of um, didn't want to bet this whole thing that they had like built up over the last like almost twenty years on on this major label. And if it didn't work out, it would have sort of tanked the whole label and like everything they built and all the goodwill. And so uh, they didn't do it. And um, it was you know probably for the best. I don't know because the the deal would have been with I believe uh, Mercury Records. And not long after that, there was a big like merger you know, between them and I think like Def Jam and everything got all shifted around. People, you know, got like fired. And I'm not sure what, like what that would have actually meant for, you know, Moon Records if, you know, they had been on, on Mercury at that point. Um, but like as it happened, they, you know, stayed going until about uh, 2000 when like Scott just kind of like the bottom kind of fell out of it and, you know, they went bankrupt. But uh, yeah, they had a great run. I mean, uh, they were, you know, probably the most important, you know, label and in, in you know, third wave ska certainly, but like up there with you know uh, two tone records, which was like the you know sort of a second wave of ska as they call it. Or uh, that was interesting. See, this is awesome. I had no idea there was a first wave, second wave, and then a third wave. This oh. is so cool. Well, okay, should... so let's take let yeah, yeah, yeah let's take a step play. back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let, let's take a step back. So for folks on the line that don't know what ska music is, um, let us enlighten you. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not the SME, but ska for me in my <laughs> my definition is basically um, fun music that has, you know, it's rock and roll. It's kind of like a rockabilly and it'll have sax in it. And it's just the, it, it's just like fun party music. I don't, I don't really know how to explain it well. Ken, you're more yeah, of a yeah, sort of, So yeah, I mean, actually, um, I'm from uh, Jamaica. Uh, that, that, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's where I was born in the sort of uh, late 50s and really? early 60s. Yeah, See? it was, it was uh, sort of like um, Jamaica's um, my first ever, you know, pop music that was kind of exported to the world. Like they had had yeah. uh, their own kind of folk music that was called uh, Mento uh, before that, which there's some, mm-hmm. some, uh, some uh, sort of uh, threads of that kind of carrying the sky a little bit. But, um, uh, you know, I would say that the main kind of like influence on, on the ska sound back in the uh, late 50s and, and early 60s was uh, a, 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 a sort of more like American R&B. It was like, you know, Fats Domino mm-hmm. kind of stuff because... You know, songs were kind of played on the offbeat on on the piano, the you know that kind of thing, and like that's mm-hmm. what kind of uh, created like the kind of um, signature ska sound, which is like the sort of you know skanking uh, guitar sound, which um, mm-hmm. that kind of you know that plus the uh, drum sound of uh, of ska is really what uh, sort of defines it. And it was it was um, super big and in, in I mean, at Jamaica for about you know four or five years. It was like exported all over the world. It was at like. The uh, 1964 World's uh, Fair here in uh, New York City. They had like a like a big ska like exhibition, um, but then it kind of went away because it um, it um, turned into uh, into a rock steady music, which which was like a little bit um, you know kind of more of a, uh, like a slow down version of, of of ska, and then and then uh, that became uh, reggae, which is like a little bit slower than uh, rock steady. So. Yeah, like you can think of ska as just kind of being like uh, the grandfather to reggae, and it's like you know faster and like you know more upbeat, more horns. But yeah, yeah basically like the same kind of beat that you hear in, on like a Bob Marley record. And and uh, Bob Marley actually was a, a ska musician at first. Like a lot of the big reggae guys, mm-hmm. you know, go back to like the early '60s, and they were like, right. you know, they were like ska musicians, like you know Toots and the Maytals, and like all, like all these people were like were ska before they were reggae, basically. That makes sense. Oh my god, I'm I'm enlightened. Literally, when I think <laughs> ska, I think Mighty Mighty Boston. It's like all of a sudden I put on MTV and there was these guys in suits yeah. talking about AIDS. And I'm like, oh, all right. It's the 90s. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. Okay, cool. 
Yeah, so it's sort of obviously Jamaica. it's wow. yeah, it's 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 I've definitely gone through a lot of permutations uh, since the first Jamaican. Like, you know, there are bands yeah. now that kind of play it in that kind of traditional Jamaican style, and then there's bands that do more of the ska punk thing. And you know, during the kind of like what they call the the uh, third wave in America, I would say that it was more the kind of ska punk stuff that got you know that got popular. Although there were some more you know, of the, of, the, of the kind of trad bands that had like a national presence, but it was a lot of the kind of ska punk bands that kind of made it more like palatable to, you know, teenagers in America and things like that. Okay. So that was part of the third wave. So the ska that I associate is the third wave. That's, that's the third wave. Yeah. Okay. And the cool. one that we're skipping the, uh, the uh, second wave was in uh, the UK in the late seventies, which was, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of brought about because, um, you know, there was like a pretty big, a big uh, Jamaican population in the UK because it was mm-hmm. a, a former, you know, colony of the UK. And as soon as uh, Jamaica got its independence, you know, the UK kind of like invited, you know, a bunch of uh, Jamaican people to to, to um, come to the UK because uh, they just gone through World War II and they'd been mm-hmm. kind of, you know, decimated and they needed more, you know, more people to come into work, frankly. So they were like, yeah. hey, like, you know, well, you Jamaicans, you know, come and you know, they obviously uh, treated them horribly and they, you know, did not like, like have a great life once they got to the UK. But, you know, they were there. So, this, you know, there was like a long tradition of there being like, you know, West Indian music in the UK, like in London, there's mm-hmm. just like, you know, massive populations of, of uh, Jamaican folks. So like by the, like, um, by the um, second wave of the ska, what they call it, um, you had the sort of, you know, children of that first wave of uh, Jamaican immigrants, you know, kind of mixing it up mm-hmm. with like the punk rock kids that were like, you know, yeah. the kind of like white British kids. And uh, they started making all these all these bands that were kind of mixed race. So it'd be like, you know, black and white kids playing together and they mixed, you know, punk rock and rock and roll with you know, Jamaican music. And that's how you had bands like mm-hmm. uh, The Specials and Madness and uh, The English Beat. And that's what is uh, thought of as the uh, second wave. And, and right. but those songs are like, you know, super political, like, you know, super like yes. anti-racist and like anti-capitalist. And it was kind of, you know, there was like a... Um, a somewhat of like a, a a political aspect to the first wave of ska, like you know, back in Jamaica, just because it was like around the time of the country getting its independence. So right. it was, you know, that was there. But with the uh, second wave, really, that was when it really became like hardcore political music and, you know, like mm-hmm. trying to, you know, fight against racism. And it was, yeah, it was cool. It was, it was great, nice. uh, great music. Yeah. Right on. I had no idea. English beat. Oh my God. I'm learning so much today. I'm like, all right, cool. And I love talking about music history. I always have. And just the context of music in a larger historical context. I think, you know, sometimes we meet people who think music and pop culture is just siloed over here, but it fits always into this larger historical context. And I nerd out about those kind of things. So yeah, hearing yeah no, that's it. a good point. I mean, if, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, if you think about it, like if, I mean, I guess like if not for, you know, World War II, uh, you know, this all might not have happened at some point. I, I don't know. It's, I mean, true. yeah, it's, it is kind of weird how you think about how, like, you know, culture travels over, over, you know, boundaries. And, yeah, that's what's cool yeah. about Sky, I think, is because it is so, like, adaptable. And, you know, so, like, it got a little bit more sort of punk rock in the, the UK, like, had that kind of element mm-hmm. to it. But then, like, by the time it gets to the States, you know, bands like, uh, you know, bands like uh, Fishbone and stuff, they, they just, like, you know, throw everything into the pot. So it's, like, metal and, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, rock and, like, funk and... You know, ska can be pretty much anything now, as long as it's got that kind of like you know skanking uh, guitar sound, you mixed in somewhere with it. You know. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And so, and ska and swing, off, you know, often get you know affiliated with each other. So I think about the '90s, and I think about um, <clears throat> again, I'm always going to throw out Mighty Mighty Bossos. That's just just like what I remember from ska. I love and the then, Bossos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then um, at that same time, the Stray Cats were uh, on the rise as well. And so I know folks can get the two genres 
um, mixed up, um, you know, because they have, they're kind of blended in a way, but not. Um, and that's something that you point out in your book too, Ken. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, well, they kind of, like, you know, rose to fame, I mean, they around the same time. I mean, they'd both been kind of going for a while. Like, you know, Scott in America had been, you know, since, you know, Two-Tone kind of took off in the UK. Like, it wasn't too long mm-hmm. after that that, like, Scott bands in America started popping up. And um, mm-hmm. the whole, like, you know, swing thing was... Um, yeah, I think you know, Brian Setzer, like you mentioned, who had you know, been in the Stray Cats in the '80s, had this like you know big band that got like super popular in the uh, '90s, right. uh, the um, the uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra. Um, yeah, the whole swing thing was like a, I would say it's kind of like a parallel you know thing that was happening to Scott. Like you know there were some people that played in you know both you know kinds of bands, but it was this whole like West Coast you know people sort of like you know discovering old you know jump blues records and like you know Louis Jordan and things like that. Um, this kind of music of like the um, you know, late uh, 40s that kind of came before rock and roll, but still kind of had a lot of pep to it and, mm-hmm. you know, saxophones and stuff. And um, yeah, it was, you know, kind of like, you know, San Francisco and, and uh, Los Angeles were sort of like the like the two big places where, you know, swing culture kind of took off from like the uh, late 80s all through the uh, 90s um, until it, I guess, had its mainstream moment in, in, in like, you know, 98 was when you saw like Brian Setzer all over the radio and uh, Cherry Pop yeah. and Daddy's had Zoot Suit Riot and... Yeah. Uh, big Bad Voodoo Daddy, you know, they, they were really big too. So, yeah, I mean, it was like a separate, you know, thing, but I think there were like a lot of people who were, you know, fans of both of them. And it's just mm-hmm. on a kind of superficial level, they're kind of similar in that it's like horns, uh, right. you know, dancing, people in suits. So I think to like people who were just like maybe, <laughs> you know, not paying that close attention, it's like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, kind of the same thing, like, you know, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy and the like, right. tones are kind of the same in some ways. Yeah. Exactly. So it just kind of all blended together just because of style, the fashion again, that comes in. Big, yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you prefer one or one over the other? Uh, I mean, I was definitely more of a uh, ska kid back in the uh, yeah. 90s. Like I had a lot of the swing records, but um, yeah, there weren't as many like, you know, swing bands. So like, my, you know, I, I mean, I, I wasn't going to like, you know, swing shows every weekend just because sure. I, mean, I don't think there were any in, in sort of uh, suburban Hartford. But, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, ska bands, there was like, you know, 35 ska bands in my high school probably or something. It's like, yeah, get the trombone kid from the band and, you know, yeah. So, I mean, I'm definitely more of a ska person, but uh, I do, I do like the swing music a lot. And I, and I think yeah. both of them, you know, as I talk about in the book, I think this kind of late nineties, you know, period where like all the sort of like, you know, depressing stuff from the first half of the decade was kind of forgotten about for a while. And like, you know, the economy was going really well. And I just think that ska and swing were like, you know, kind of the right music for, you know, that time period of like, you know, the kind of late Clinton years and like, you know, the economy's booming and the dot-com bubble. And, you know, all, you know there's kind of all sorts of bad things were like on the horizon that we just didn't foresee coming. And Right. You know, <laughs> that's, you know, and Ken, that's exactly what I was thinking about too. Um, Cause you had talked a little bit about in the book, how this economic prosperity, optimism of the nineties really created this environment. Um, for Scott Flourish um, to become yeah. popular. And it's, you know, it's something I weirdly think about a lot. Because again, like I'm a pop culture nerd. I always think about it's like the trajectory of these things and this prosperous period in the late 90s. It really just spawned a certain kind of art. In terms of pop culture, there's music and film and television. It was just this certain buoyant um, optimism to it. And I'd love to just like talk a little bit more about that because it's something I'm fascinated with i just see it so much in this movement yeah no i think i think you're absolutely right i think um, i think uh buoyant is a good word for it i mean you had like you know trl and uh mm-hmm. you know i just think of like wow. all the boy bands and i mean even like the kind of like non-ska stuff that was on like alternative radio it had gone from like nirvana and pearl jam to like you know third eye blind or like you know smash mouth mm-hmm. it, it was just like things were getting a little bit more sort of upbeat like i think people had been 
like, okay, we've done the, you know, mopey thing for a while. And um, we need to be happy now. <laughs> it, was time, it, was, it was time for, you know, I'm not, I'm not dissing those bands again. Like, you know, no, I, love, I, I love Nirvana. They're like, you know, one of my favorite bands. But, well, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think people got gotten to a point where like, I don't know, it was just like time for a change. And, you know, Scott and Swing were just, you know, two of the things. I mean, there's like a lot, you know, there's like a lot of things going on in the late 90s that were like popular for a minute. But I just think that they kind of had like a perfect, you know, kind of slot there to just, you know, get sort of popular for a little while. Yeah, I think about, you know, just that time, you know, late 90s. And I think about the the splash that No Doubt made. Now, I know they're not a ska band, but they did have some type of uh, influences on a couple of songs. Yeah, yeah, they were a ska band correctly. at one point. Yeah, like they had okay. been around. Yeah, like um, they're kind of a weird story because, you know, they'd been around for almost, you know, 10 years by the time they finally popped off. Like they formed uh -huh. in like, you know, I think it was like 85 or 86 or something. So, okay. and, you know, Tragic Kingdom came out in, in, in a 95, I believe it was. So it's mm -hmm. like, that's, you know, 10 years basically. And yeah, they were like a pretty hardcore ska band when they, like when they first started. But I think over time they, you know, took on new members and they kind of like evolved their sound as, as bands often do. And yeah, there's still like elements of, of, of you know, ska on, on Tragic Kingdom, but You know, by and yeah. large, the songs that were the big hits, by and large, like you know, "Don't Speak," obviously, is just sort of like a, like right. a power ballad. Um, I mean, it's a you know, fantastic song, but not not ska really. Um, yeah, so folks, you need to go into the deep cuts into Tragic Kingdom because outside of the uh, the radio play, you didn't you would never know that no doubt no doubt had some ska um, was a ska band and you know has some you know influence in their music. So check it out, yeah. deep cuts. I think it's like "Excuse Me, Mister." <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> morning is a good one. Yeah. Uh, you know, on, on the song uh, Sunday Morning has, has sort of like a uh, reggae feel yes. to it that is, uh, you know, kind of goes back to their Scott roots a little bit. But yeah, it's a great yeah. album no matter what. I mean, you know, I think, you know, this is like the time when, you know, people love to uh, get mad at bands for like signing with majors and like, oh, you're a mm -hmm. out and stuff like that. But I, th right. I mean, I think I think Tragic Kingdom is actually a, a, a fantastic record and it, it's better than their first record, which is like, you know, when they were sort of more of a ska band on their first album. Yeah. But yeah. The songwriting had like really progressed and you had, you know, Gwen coming into her own as a songwriter. So uh, yeah. Tragic Kingdom all the way, I'd say. But Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's awesome. So do you think that, you know, maybe you'll see a, a comeback of ska, um, you know, hitting that popularity level it had in the late 90s? That's a good question. I mean, people have been talking about that, you know, kind of a lot lately because there's been kind of a resurgence of um, mm -hmm. ska. Uh, there's like a lot of really uh, cool new bands that are kind of taking it to the, to the uh, next level. I don't know if it'll ever kind of reach the same, you know, level just because like the world has really changed a lot since the late 90s. Right. Like with, you know, the internet, I think things are more fragmented and, you know, back in those days, it was kind of more of like a monoculture and like, you know, there could be like a whole day about ska and like MTV. And then it was like, wow, that was a really big deal. But like now it wouldn't really matter that much. And so I don't know if it'll ever be like it's all over the radio, you know, kind of thing ever again. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's I've definitely found a, you know, new audience among the, you know, Gen Z kids or uh, I don't even know what they call the kids. I guess it's like Gen Z, but or you know, yeah, 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 whatever. But, yeah, like there's this. Yeah, what is it these days? I don't even know. Who even? Knows? I think it is Gen Z. I think you're. As right. long as they like Scott, then I like they can call themselves whatever they want. But uh, <laughs> like, like there's this band out of out of Philadelphia um, called a called a Cat Bite. Who like I would definitely recommend them to anyone who is like okay. yeah Scott yeah like they're absolutely fantastic. They kind of bring in like a power pop uh, kind of sound to it, and um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I just I love that band. So I would you know, say if anybody wants to like check out any kind of new ska, check out uh, Catbite or uh, Bad Operation, who are out of uh, New Orleans. Uh, they're fantastic. Right yeah. 
I will. Thank you. I got, uh, and I think, you know, uh, stuff, you know, you got to tap into that if you haven't listened to those bands. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, sure. Really appreciate kind of like hearing all of your Scott background, Ken, because you really are, you know, it's like you're a fan, you're also an expert. But just wanting to hear, like, what are some of your favorite just Scott related memories? past whether that's from teenage years or on because i just know it's been a backdrop for so much of your life yeah uh that's a good question um i mean back when i was uh in i mean in high school it was like that was just kind of like our thing to do on weekends we would just you know go to see shows so there's you know many memories that are kind of associated with that but i know the one that kind of stands out is like after i got to college actually this is probably 2000 I would say um, I was up in Boston and I got, I got a jury duty for some reason. <laughs> like I got called for jury oh. duty and I actually got picked for the jury. Even though I was like, I was like, I'm a college kid. I got like finals coming up. Like, <laughs> like, we don't care. No, you're, the law. You're, you're on a jury. <laughs> right? And I couldn't real. figure out how to get out of it. I was, you know, like, I, oh my God. I mean, if I were like a little bit smarter, I probably could have figured out a way to not have jury duty, but uh, nevertheless, there I was. So, you know, we were all in this room and we we're kind of going around the room and just like, you know, saying like who we are and what we did. And there was this guy on the jury who had like written a book about about uh, reggae music. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's cool. Like, I got to talk to this guy next time. There's like a you know, break in the action. So yeah. we so we sort of got to talking, and it turned out that um, there was going to be a, a show that night in Boston with uh, with the uh, Scatolites, who were like the like original Jamaican band, who are sort of credited with kind of like inventing ska. So like it had been there before these guys actually formed up as, as the Scatolites. And, and I think mm-hmm. it was like 1964, I believe it was, you know, like all these guys had like kind of played on different records. They were like the best of the best in terms of like Jamaica's uh, session players kind of thing. And uh, they came together and made this band, the Scatolites. And, well, you know, they're just, it's, you know, sort of fantastic music. I mean, I, I would say like for anyone who has like not heard Scott like at all, you know, start with the Scatolites maybe and like, you know, kind of like hear what it's actually supposed to sound like. And then, you know, check out the the kind of mutations of it. But yeah, so anyway, so the guy was like, yeah, like the, uh, the uh, Scatlights are in town, you know, tonight at like the House of Blues. And I was like, oh, I'm, you know, 20. I'm not, I'm not 21. And he's like, you know, don't <laughs> yeah. worry about it. He's like, you know, come with me to the show as my special guest. And Amazing. like, you can meet the band. So I, was, I get to meet the Scatlights. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so like, I got, to go, I got to go backstage. I got to meet the Scatlights. That's you know, cool. I had a red stripe. I wasn't even 21 yet, but I got to have a red stripe. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was a red stripe too, right? Oh yeah, my God, it's like a red stripe keychain. Great Jamaican beer. <laughs> I mean, I you know, like, well, I don't know. I was, I was 20 years old. What do you want? But I was like, yeah, yeah, give me a red stripe. But, Hell you know, yeah. but yeah, they were all super nice. We were, you know, we were talking about jury duty and just, you know, these like old, <laughs> old uh, Jamaican dudes who like by that point they were you know, probably like in their, you know, 60s or 70s, but they were, you know, super sweet guys. And then, you know, they played an amazing set. It was just absolutely, you know, fantastic to see it. And so, yeah, kind of weirdly, my like best Scott memory probably has to do, has to do with jury duty. <laughs> um. Oh my God, that's fucking phenomenal. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, there's like, a- You sound like the brand daddy. That's badass. <laughs> like, oh my God. Wow. Well, there's like a lesson here that like, if you get called for jury duty, like you should go because you never know. <laughs> Who might, like, who could be on your jury? You know, it could be, you know, you might make a friend for life. Although I, I didn't make a friend for life in this case, but I, I had a fantastic night that I would not have had, had ordinarily. So, 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. I've got called in for jury duty once and I wasn't picked and oh my God, but I had to wait the entire day oh, no. for yeah. them to tell me, oh no, you're not, you're not needed, but here's your $15. <laughs> Have a nice day or whatever. You, know, you didn't get to meet a cool you. band at all. Yeah. No, I didn't get any of that. Oh, man. Um, I'm so I, sorry. Just, I just got, <laughs> it was Valentine's Day. It was raining. Oh, it was all geez. lame. And <laughs> oh, Kenya, I'm sorry. That's, 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 really cool. Cool. that's terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, mine, mine was real shitty. But anyway, that's so awesome. So the Scatolites. All right. Yeah. I definitely yeah, check out the Scatolites. They're, I mean, okay. Um, yeah, these were like, you know, top flight, you know, jazz musicians in uh, Jamaica who just kind of picked up this rhythm and just ran with it and kind of created this whole, you know, beautiful kind of music that, like, as I said, has been, you know, mutating like ever since really in right. all these kind of like weird, interesting ways. But yeah, that's the foundation of it is sort of these, like these core, uh, you know, guys out of Kingston who were just, yeah, they were just like amazing musicians and it's, yeah. Awesome. 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 So anything else you'd like to add um, just in general about your book, maybe the promotion, any, you know, anything in particular you would want to throw out there, Ken? No, just that I guess I'm, I'm excited for uh, people to read it. I mean, it's been a long time coming and, uh, you know, it's a time period that I guess, you know, holds a lot of, you know, special memories for me. And I guess for, you know, for lots of other people who are, you know, our age in the, in the late nineties, I hope they'll, Mm -hmm. you know, go back and, uh, you know, it, it kind of talks about all the all the big ska bands, all the big swing bands. So I mean, if you, I mean, it's um, cool for people that were like hardcore fans. But I think even if you were just like, I had I had a Brian Setzer Orchestra CD, like that's cool. Like you might like that part of the book, or uh, you know, Big Bad Ruby right. Daddy, or uh, you know, Cherry Pop and Daddies, or something. You know, like all all that's in there. So it's uh, you know, it's like a real time capsule. I think of uh, of those years. So I just want to say thank you, Ken, for joining yeah, thank us you. today. This is yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's this, this is awesome. Really fun. And we've learned a lot and we've heard some mm-hmm. amazing stories and I've loved this. Talk tuners again. The book is called Hell of a Hat, The Rise of 90s Sky and Swing. That's released by Penn State University Press. It's going to be out September 21st. Uh, you can pre-order it today. I encourage you to do that again. Summer music reading. We're here to make some recommendations. We recommend this one. Yeah, absolutely. Enlighten yourselves. I know <laughs> I'm going to enlighten myself because I'm over the mighty, mighty Boston's. I want to listen to the Scatolites. No, no, so the Boston's are great. The Boston's are great. <laughs> <laughs> That was like my intro, but yeah, now, yeah. I mean, no, you yeah. blown my mind, Ken. Like I had no idea that ska originated in Jamaica. I feel like such yeah. a dumbass. No, of course no, it did. Not, not a dumbass, not a dumbass, but uh, <laughs> no, that's what's cool about it. Like, you know, the Boston's awesome. are cool and the Scatlights are cool. Uh, there's room for all of it. So, uh, yes, there is, there is, there is. And the Voodoo Glow Skulls. I do enjoy oh, that. Oh, yeah. Aren't, aren't they from Texas? Am I making that no, up? No, they're from, they're from uh, Southern California. But, California. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's another side story. All right. <laughs> well, um, no, I'm super excited. Thank you so much, Ken, for coming on. Let me just go ahead and echo that sentiment. And, um, and for all the talk tuners out there, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode um, and learn a little bit something new or maybe even gain some more knowledge on an awesome music genre that um, hopefully will come back, you know, in full force because it should. It's fun. It's great. It's creative. Um, and, uh, you know, thank you for listening. So, um, and for those talk tuners that have left reviews for us, thank you so much. So ninth episode here and, um, you know, we're just, uh, we're happy that you're listening and please feel free to drop, you know, a review on Apple podcasts or, you know, wherever you can to help us with visibility. We appreciate it. And remember to reach us, uh, reach out to us on the socials. That is Stephanie and Stephanie talk tunes. And we thank you again, Ken. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys. This was, yeah, it was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. We will talk to you guys later. Thanks again. Bye. Bye.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 